Our text today is from Luke chapter 24. It's the account of Jesus' ascension back up into heaven. Luke 24. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This whole series of the Easter season draws to a close today, and we have this idea that, that we believe first, and then we see who Jesus is, and now we believe to see in order to witness. And this flows right into Acts uh, chapter 1. Now, now think about this this way. Luke wrote his gospel as kind of book one, the life of Jesus. And then he wrote the book of Acts is almost like Luke's gospel part two. It's the birth of the church and extending into the, the early season of church life. Believe and see so that you can witness. Right? Jesus says, you are witnesses of these things. That's kind of a cool thing, that they are witnesses of these things. They are eyewitnesses. They've seen Jesus do these things, and now they are to give their witness, their eyewitness testimony to others. Now, it's just curious that the Greek word for witness, it started to change its meaning over time. Because as these disciples were witnessing, they started receiving persecution. And the apostles all ended up dying for what they were witnessing to. And so over time, this word witness brought on this negative connotation almost of suffering and death. The Greek word is what we use now for the word martyr. Right? It didn't mean that back then. It just meant to witness. But over time, that word martyr meant that you were punished severely for what it was that you are proclaiming. So you can almost, almost kind of wonder, they hear this word martyr, it didn't mean this back then, but to us it, it carries that connotation. And they're like, yes, let's, let's go be martyrs. That sounds like fun. We'll go martyr. Let's be martyrs. We'll all martyr together. When we wouldn't say it that way today. But this process of bearing witness, even though it didn't have the intent of leading to death, just many times it ended up doing that. And so this term over time, martyr, began to take on that connotation. But Jesus is saying, you are martyrs of these things. And maybe it's a good time for us to take a personal inventory, like how, how well are we martyring right now? Right? Collectively, as a church, how well does St. Luke's martyr itself? What's the, what's the job that you do in your daily life, individually, how are you witnessing to the life, death, and resurrection, ascension, and promised return of Jesus? 
How are we doing with that? Think about when was the last conversation you had about Jesus to somebody who didn't already believe? Or how do your words and actions live out your faith in front of people who don't yet believe? See, there is, there is a huge urgency in what is our third of three major strategies for how we grow discipleship here at St. Luke's, right? We have worship gatherings, which we're, we're nailing today. We've got that one. Check that box off. We've got uh, spiritual formation where we grow in our relationship with God with other people. Kind of how are we doing with that? And then community connections. How are we shaking and, and sharing the gospel with our community? And I think of all of those three, that's probably one that needs a fair amount of work. It's a little bit more aspirational than what's actually happening now. But, but we're starting to take steps in that direction. But see, if you, if you miss this piece, if you miss this, that, that you and you all are to be witnesses of Jesus, if you skip that piece, if your Christian life is just the fact that you have been saved and redeemed and you get to spend eternity with Christ, if you skip that next step of witnessing your faith fails and the church dies within a generation. And it's your job as an individual and our job as a body of people to carry this out into the world. So what is it that we witness? Jesus tells us the answer to this question, what we are to witness to. Number one, prophecies fulfilled. Jesus explains to them all of these these prophecies that were made in the Old Testament, that they're all pointing to Jesus, that Jesus is the center of Scripture. All the Old Testament points to Jesus, and all of the New Testament comes from Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And all of these prophecies, he's saying, I have fulfilled them all. My track record is perfect. And the promises that I still have to keep, the coming back to be with you, to take you to be with me, because I fulfilled every other prophecy, you can believe this one to be true also. And all of the prophets and Psalms and Moses, all of it was all about him. This is a certain hope that we have. This is key to know and trust in that promise that he will come back to bring us to be where he is. We don't wonder if it will happen. Only when. So that's the first thing. The prophecy is fulfilled. The second thing that we are to witness to is that Jesus suffered to save us. Right? This, he opened their mind to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. See, that, that Christ should huffer, suffer was the hardest part for them to grasp. But suffering came into this world through the single mistake of the fall and Adam and Eve and they broke it, and they broke everything. And we live with those consequences of of their sin that's in us, in our DNA, that we can't help but keep sinning. And it's, it's our fault for the sins that we commit, and it's the suffering that we receive from the consequence of our sin and the consequence of, of everybody else's sin all around us. And this world is broken. And it suffers as a result of sin. And and that's exactly why Jesus had to suffer. See, Jesus had to go through his own suffering, the suffering that we deserve, that total separation from the Father when he cried out on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? 
And Jesus had to walk through his suffering that we deserve to get us to a place of restoration, to this promise of the kingdom of God that will come, that has come already, and will come in all of its fullness when everything wrong will be put right. He had to suffer to save. So the three things, the first one, that the, prom- the prophecies are fulfilled, Jesus suffered in order to save, and the third and final thing is that we are to repent to be restored. And that repentance, Jesus said, for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. To turn back to God, to to turn to God and find him, as I said before, not as an angry, vengeful father, but one that is full of compassion, full of love, full of grace and mercy. So that's what we are to witness to. It's not that difficult. Jesus keeps his promises. He suffered to save, and we repent to be forgiven. That's the message we're to carry out into this world. And how do we do that? What is an effective strategy for doing that? You see, being a witness over time has has kind of taken different forms. Back 20 years ago, when I was in seminary, they taught us the Kennedy Outline. There's maybe some people in this room who have been taught that, and you memorize specific questions and answers and scripture verses, and then you, you cold call, knock on people's doors, and you, you invite yourself into their home, and, and you go through this outline with them. Hopefully, at the end of it, they come to know Jesus, and they want to be baptized, and they want to join the church. That was the Kennedy evangelism structure. And it's taken different forms throughout the years. But you'd have to like intentionally go do this. You have to intentionally be trained and then intentionally go out and do this. It's a decision that you make to do to be this witness, this martyr. And as a young seminary student, I certainly felt martyred. <laughs> this was difficult to do. It was, it was almost impossible to completely memorize because I have a poor memory. And it's incredibly awkward just to walk into a stranger's home, sit down on their sofa, and then tell them that they're going to hell. Wonderful. (laughs) But you had to make a decision whether or not to do that. And there's a lot more to witnessing than just that. Because I, I want you to take this home with you. If you don't remember anything else, you are already a witness to Jesus Christ. How good of a witness, that's up for debate. But people who know you, who go who know you go to church, you are already a witness testifying. And does your lifestyle, your words, your actions, your attitudes, does it reflect Christ to them? Or does it reflect something else? And if it reflects something else like bitterness or anger or or holding grudges or fill in the blank, and your friend who doesn't know Jesus looks at you and says, wow, if that's what it means to be Christian, no thank you. See, you are already a witness to Jesus. What kind of witness are you testifying? What kind of Jesus are you witnessing about? I found this. uh, This method is super, super simple for having an opportunity to share your faith with somebody else. Before you kind of go through the Kennedy explanation of why you're going to go to hell and and here's how to not do that. Just a regular conversation. 
And it, it starts with you just being curious about the other person. Right, if you think about it this way, if you wanna get somebody to a place where they can interact with Jesus in a saving, transforming kind of way, you first need to learn where they're starting from. Right, if you pull up on your phone and you ask Siri to give you directions from here to downtown Orlando, it's very important that you know where you're starting from, right? Because how you get to downtown Orlando is entirely dependent on your place of origin. And if you're starting from Oviedo, or if you're starting from DeLand, or if you're starting from New Smyrna, you all have a different route to get. And so when I share my faith with other people, I, I always start out with this question. Where was religion in your family as you were growing up? Just curious. And hear their story. Because they believe what they believe today because of the life that they've lived. And when you take time to get to know who they are and, and why they believe what they believe, that why is more important sometimes than the what, and almost without fail, every time I take this approach, now there's the reciprocal question that they ask me. Well, what about you, Tig? What, what was it like when you were growing up? What was your faith development like? And now, now I have the opportunity to share to somebody who cares about what I have to say because I cared first about what they had to say. And it gives you the opportunity to share who Jesus is to you, the difference that he makes in your life, to the importance that you're always prepared to give an answer for what it is that you believe. Just be curious. Listen. And then when they ask, you have the open door to share. So that's how we witness. So where, that's the next question, where do we witness? Right? No, excuse me, I'll get to that. First, we need to talk about what empowers our witness, where the, the source of our strength of our witness comes from. See, it requires the gift of the Holy Spirit to awaken our heart to the power of life in Christ. See, the ascension occurred, what we celebrate today, this occurred so that Pentecost could happen after. Next week, we celebrate Pentecost, and we jump into the series of Pentecost, which we're going to take a, an in-depth look at, at Paul's letter to the Church of Rome. Uh, and I can't wait for it because the Romans, this, this book Romans, opens up to us how God transforms us, how he makes us right, that we are made right through faith in Jesus. But it only happens, this season of Pentecost only happens because Jesus first ascended so that he could send the power of the Holy Spirit onto our lives. See, this was their commissioning day, the ascension. That's where God gave them the mission. But on Pentecost, which we celebrate next Sunday, that's when they were empowered to carry it out. That's when the Holy Spirit was gifted upon them in fullness, and they received his power, his wisdom, to carry this message out into the world, starting with Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all over the world. It's interesting, I love this about God, that he doesn't sit back and look through the crowd and go, oh, that guy's good. She's amazing. I'm, gonna, I'm going to use these two fantastic people to do my ministry. <laughs> That's not how he works. He goes, I'm gonna 
use you because I love you. And now that I've chosen you and commissioned you, now I'm going to give you my power. See, he empowers those he calls. He doesn't call those who have already been empowered. I'm living proof. And so are you. The power of your witness doesn't come from your ability to, to, to debate or to engage in an argument or to just influence charismatically what somebody else thinks and believes. It comes through the Holy Spirit. And you receive the Holy Spirit through this, this untapped resource we call the Bible that when you open it and you read and you hear these words of God, it is a living, breathing book, the Word of God, Jesus Christ himself working in you powerfully. If you want more of God in your life, crack a book. It's right there. And he wants to infuse your life with his power. And the Holy Spirit promises to do that every time we open those pages and dig in. He promises to do it when we come to the Lord's table. We receive our Savior physically with forgiveness so real you can taste it. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay into the city, I love this phrase, until you are clothed with power from on high. I want you to think about that as you go through your week this week, witnessing, using your opportunity to engage with other people, that you are clothed, literally wrapped up in the power of God. And carry that confidence with you, the hope that you have. You are clothed with power from on high. But he said, first go back to Jerusalem and, and, and hang out there until, you, until you're clothed. Hang out in Jerusalem, and they worshiped in the temple every day. I really see that as what we do here at Fuel and in other services, that we come to be clothed with power on high. We, we get to slough off all of our sin, and we get to receive all of his grace, and we are clothed with power from on high to go from this place into our communities and connect and engage. That when we do this, when we, when we get clothed with power from on high, Jesus pulls us into a deeper relationship with him. He ties us into greater relationships with each other. And he gives us divine power, not our power. He gives us divine power to go out into the community and be martyrs for him in his kingdom. And he led them as far away as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. Jesus blessed them. Right? I can't help but go back to when we share our benediction and this blessing that Jesus pours out when I say the Lord bless you and keep you. That the Lord fills your life with every good thing that you need to do to accomplish his work. Lord makes his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. This means that what God is doing is bringing his focus into your life that he is looking directly at you. And as he looks directly at you, he pours out his grace, he pours out his mercy, he gives you this peace that passes all understanding, even in the midst of chaos. And this blessing that Jesus says, it's not just words that kind of encourage them and make them go, whew, thank you. The words have power. And the words actually do what he says. They actually bestow blessings on him. I see some people during the, during the benediction do this really cool thing. They're, they're like, they've got their hands out and they're like, they're, they're waiting for the delivery. They're like, bring it on, right? It's not a bad idea. 
Because God is in that process of delivering those blessings in reality into your life. So to whom do we witness? Well, this is proclaimed to all nations, right? This plan of Jesus and the church and distributing his word to all people, it's not finished until everybody has heard. And the word na nations is this word ethnos, which means it's more than just your, your place of origin. It's more than just a country. It is all people. It is all inclusive. It's a broader inclusion. It's an inclusion that involves even our enemies. It's an inclusion that involves Islamic extremists or extremists of any flavor, really. People who live alternate lifestyles than what we deem appropriate and the will of God. All people, all people, young and old, that everyone needs to know this. And where do we do this? Acts chapter 1 says this, but when you receive power from the Holy Spirit coming upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. It starts in Jerusalem. And you know what? This is our Jerusalem. Right? There are hearts in this room this morning who have not yet been awakened to the power of life in Christ. And so for those who have, it's our job to witness to them that they would encounter that experience to know intimately, more deeply, the faith that they've been raised in. And then to Samaria and Judea, well, that's, that's central Florida. That's our, that's our neighborhood in which we live. To carry out our ministry with places like Goods and Grace, the grocery store for, for people who are working but don't quite make enough to make ends meet, or working in other partner organizations that we work and serve with together like Christian Help or Hope Helps, or just your neighbor across the street who you know is struggling. And then the ends of the earth, well, those are all our ministry partners around the world in, in Latvia and, and Germany and Honduras. But maybe just start with your own home today. Maybe have a conversation at home around the lunch table or brunch or whatever you're going to eat today. And talk about the witness that you have been living already. And go around the table and say, this is one area of my witness that I want to be stronger. I want my attitude to be better, or I want my actions to more vividly display the faith that I believe, or whatever the case may be. It's a worthy conversation. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your great glory and, and your story that you have infused into our own lives. Father, help us be good witnesses. Help us to know that you empower our witness. You give the story to which we are to witness and that we do so every single day, just living our life. Help us live as great ambassadors to you. Let other people see and hear you when they see and hear us. We pray this in Jesus' powerful and almighty name. Amen.